Well, good evening, good evening. So before the service, I was over talking to uh, Bart and Davina's kids. Bart and Davina were over there, and they were all excited. The countdown was on the screen, and, and, I, and, and, uh, and Bart said, my kids love the countdown. And I said, I said, are you excited about the countdown because worship is getting ready to start? There's gonna, the music, and he had this look on his face like, I really don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> and I said, you don't like the music? And he said, I like the music because it's what happens right before the slide comes up that says kids are now released for kid life, right? And, and, when, and then, he said, then he said, and when that comes up, I always go, finally. <laughs> so, right? Isn't that awesome? So no slight to the worship team, but how about props, right, for the people in workshop and that are working with our children, that kids come, they're excited about learning about God and being with their friends and finding life here at City Life, but it was, it was just hilarious, hilarious. So I do have a giveaway I'm going to do tonight, a family that's, that's uh, new to the church, but a friend that's not new to me, uh, Titus and Maximus, who are back there. Are those not awesome names or what? So they both made decisions for Christ uh, just recently and were baptized, and, uh, and so I just want to pray for them in a minute, but I thought the timing was great because my good friends, Lewis and Claudia Johnson, who are missionaries that we support uh, in Turkey, uh, they, they send me little treats every now and again, and they sent me this uh, package of Turkish Delight. And from Turkey, right? And, and, uh, and so what's great about Turkish Delight is that candies in other parts of the world aren't necessarily as sweet as they are in America. They're a little bit more savory, so kids don't like it, and then the parents get to eat it. So it's just a win all around. So, and I'm also going to give you their card that you can put on your fridge and pray for them. So, so I'm going to give them this. So there you go. Father, we just pray for Titus and Maximus tonight, God, for this decision that they've made to give their heart to you. We thank you, Father, that that, that moment just recently where they came up out of the waters of their baptism is a powerful picture of, of what you're doing for them that you're bringing them up out of this life and putting them onto a path that is going to lead them into their destiny, that you have dreamed a great dream for these two young men. There's influence that they're supposed to have in this world. And that, that even now, God, even though right now that they might be more concerned about candy and cartoons, that these decisions that our children make even now for you, it plants something of your spirit inside of them it is a seed that will grow and that will bear much fruit and that we're believing, God, and that they're going to grow up and become the great and mighty men of God that you've called and created them to be. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, also, my mom is here tonight. So I know. Yeah. 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 So if you are a parent praying for a wayward child, she might be a good person for you to talk to because that was me. All right. right? So don't stop praying for those kids that are uh, maybe the, the story of the parable of the prodigal son because the prayers of a mom and a dad, they matter. Or a grandma. God hears those prayers. And, uh, and those kids come home. Those kids come home. Well, we're going we're to have an important conversation 
together tonight, and uh, we're, we're, uh, we're switching things up a, a little bit, uh, maybe a few weeks without the slides, and, and uh, some of these conversations are a little bit more weighty, uh, just making them maybe a little bit more conversational, but, but judging is a huge problem that all of us have, is it not? And, and, and it's a great fit for this series that we're in called Super because the premise of this series is that you and I were created by God with the ability for excess. We, we, we were created by God to have a capacity for more, for super abundance. And our problem is that in our humanity that we direct that in the wrong way. And so that's why we've been talking about overeating and overspending and oversexing. Something feels right about that excess, but what we learn as we study Scripture is that it's not the thing that we're doing that's wrong that feels right. It's this feeling of just being over the top, of being extravagant and extreme. That resonates with us because God created us for that. But where we're supposed to be extravagant and extreme or in the world of virtues. We're supposed to be extravagantly merciful. We're supposed to be extravagantly generous. We're supposed to be extravagantly honest. And, 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 and the five great growth lists that we talk about here at City Life. So that's why our, our life verse for this series comes out of Galatians chapter 5, which is the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And at the end of that, it says, against such things, there is no law. Meaning that you cannot do too many of these things. And it's part of God saying to us, point your capacity of excess in this direction, and when you satisfy your life with building these virtues, you'll be less susceptible to all of these other vulnerabilities. That's part of the reason why we find ourselves judging in ways that we should not and when we should not. And so tonight we're going to tackle a controversial text that we find in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 7. It's, it's an interesting text because it's probably one of the most often quoted verses in the world. You, you would think it's John 3.16, but the reason why I think Matthew 7 probably edges it out is because lots of people that don't even believe in Jesus know this verse and are quoting it all the time, which is don't judge or judge not. And, and so what we're going to do together tonight is we're really going to ask the question, what did Jesus mean when he said those things to us? We're going to read that text, and then we're going to begin to break it down as we work through it together. And I think we'll get through it tonight, but if not, we'll either push it to next week or I'll blog. A, a little bit on it. So let's read the text together. It's Matthew 7. I'm going to read the first six verses. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 1, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, if Jesus was really saying to us, Don't ever judge, he would have stopped there. But he did not stop there. And we also know that he's not saying don't ever judge because in so many of his other teachings, he talks about judging. He talks about the judgments that we're going to endure. So whenever you have an interpretation of Scripture that is in contradiction to other parts of Scripture, the Bible doesn't have a problem. Our interpretation has a problem. And we've got to keep searching and studying and talking and praying until we can find a conclusion that's, that's in cooperation with the rest of the wisdom of the Bible. That's why we say we interpret the Bible in light of itself. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. But he keeps going. For you will be treated as others as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log or some translations rendered a plank when you have a log or a plank in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck 
in your eye when you can't see the past the log in your own? Hypocrite, he says. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And I believe this last verse is we're going to, I think we'll get to it tonight, is one of the most important verses in this text. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then they will turn and attack you. Father, as we, as we dig deep into this text tonight, we pray that this text would de- dig deep into us. Father, we know that if there's any one complaint that the world has uh, towards Christians and towards the church, it's that, is, is this idea of, of, of judging or, or being judgmental. And we know, Father, that, that in many ways we've earned the reputation and, 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 it, and, and it breaks your heart that you have called us to be in this world salt and light, which both in and of themselves are only and always life-giving. So may it be, Father, that tonight, as we walk through the wisdom of your word together, that we would learn how to judge rightly, to judge well, and to judge in a way that gives life to the world that we would become the salt and the light that you've called and created us to be. You have called us not to be silent. You've called us to have a voice in the world, but it is supposed to be a voice that leads and a voice that heals and a voice that gives hope. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said, amen. All right, so, so when you look at this text, I believe there's, I believe there's five things that, that, that Jesus is saying to us, and we're going to work through each one of these five things together tonight. So if you're a note taker, you can write down, I'm just going to give you five phrases. One is reciprocity or sowing and reaping. Uh, part of what Jesus is saying here is that reciprocity is always at work. So we're going to talk about that. So you can write down reciprocity. He's saying that you need to learn how to judge. He, he's, he's not saying if you judge, he's saying when you judge because he knows that it's part of our humanity. And the reason why it's part of our humanity is because he created us to judge. So we need to learn how to do it and we need to learn to do it well. So you've got to learn. So reciprocity, learn how, practice self-examination. Self-examination is what you can write down. Self-examination. We're going to talk about that. You've got to learn how to help others. That's number four. That if you're judging properly, your motivation is always to help someone. It's not to win an argument. It's not to be right. Judging is Judging poorly is cathartic judging well is to give life to people. So reciprocity, learn how, self-examination, help others. And the last one is this, timing is important. You can just write down the word timing. That's all about what verse 6 is about. So timing is important. So let's talk a little bit about reciprocity. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. But we're going to spend most of our time on this idea of learning how to judge well. And there's four things that I'm going to give you for that. But, but this idea of reciprocity, you hear the world talk about karma all the time. And, and karma and reciprocity are not the same. This idea of karma is, this, is that the universe does things to you based on what you deserve. The universe does, not, does nothing to us because the universe is under the authority of the one who created it, and that's God. And so reciprocity is this idea that God has set into motion a principle in this world that He governs, that He controls, that you reap what you sow. We, we did, when we were back in the movie theater, if you were with us back then, and when we first came here in 2007 and we were renting space at the Regal Cinema off of Victory Boulevard, we did a whole message on reciprocity, and we gave everybody one of those Super Bowls. 
Do you remember that? You know those balls that you can bounce? We gave one to everybody who, who came in uh, that, uh, that, that morning. And, and we said that when, when you live your life, the things that you say, the things that you do, it's like throwing that ball up against the wall throwing that ball up against the wall. What's interesting, though, is that when it comes back to you, it doesn't come back as that one ball. It comes back as all the balls that we handed out, right? Because there's a multiplication to reciprocity. It's for both our good, and it can be both to our detriment. And it was this powerful illustration that we had as we are in this movie theater, the thought of throwing that one ball, and then all of the other balls that were there coming back at us. Jesus is saying here, when he's talking about judging, he's saying, make sure that you understand when you step into a moment of judgment, you're stepping also into a moment of reciprocity. You're putting something out into the world that's going to come back to you. Now, I think that as Christians, sometimes we, 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 we get a little bit reluctant to admit that our motivation is for ourselves. Right? We get a little bit reluctant to say, well, you know, we've been taught that, well, if you're doing it for your own benefit, that's selfishness. It's selfishness if that's all that you ever do it for, and you're not doing it for any other reason. But part of Christianity, in fact, I would say you're never going to mature as a Christian until you learn how to love yourself. You're not ever going to mature as a Christian until you learn how to self-care. You're not ever going to mature as a Christian until you recognize moments in your life where you've got to do things because it's in your own best interest. It's interesting, isn't it, that this text in Matthew 7, of all the reasons that we're going to talk about tonight, Jesus starts with this one. He says, make sure that when you judge, you judge well because what you do is going to come back to you. His whole dialogue on judging is all about think about yourself. Think about what's going to happen to you. So as you move through this life as a Christian, as you're raising your children, don't teach your children that doing things for your own best interest is selfish. Teach your children that caring for yourself is important and understanding that so much of what Jesus teaches is teaching about doing things that are in your own best interest. All right, so reciprocity, I think a lot of people understand sowing and reaping, so we're going to push past that. If that's a new idea for you, let us know, and we'll get you some material on that. But let's jump into judging because this is where the meat of it is. Judging and then also this idea of, of helping others. Judging in the Greek is the word krino. It's K-R-I-N-O. K-R-I-N-O. Now lots of words in the Greek have a complexity to them. We talk a lot about words here at City Life and a lot about language because these words that God chose, he was intentional because he's trying to communicate things that are very specific to us. And so this word krino is not like many other Greek words that have layers of complexity. There's a real simplicity to this word. It's used 115 times in the New Testament. It always means the same thing every time. It means to form an opinion. It means to come to a conclusion. It means to render a verdict to render a verdict, to form an opinion, and to come to a conclusion. And I want to give you four things that you and I have got to be willing to do based on what the Bible teaches if we're going to learn how to judge well. The first one comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The first one is this. If we're going to learn how to judge well, we have got to embrace the authority of Scripture. A lot of us like the idea of the Bible being life-giving to us. We like the idea of the Bible being an encouragement to us. Uh, we like the, the idea of the Bible being a, spiritually, a spiritual sustenance for us. But this idea of the authority of God's Word, until we get there, there's so much of Christianity that we're never going to experience and never going to understand. If you're going to judge well, you've got to be willing to submit to the authority of God's Word. Now, you might say, well, Fred, the, this idea of judging, I don't, it's, I don't have a problem with judging because, because I don't recognize the authority of God's Word. It's these people that I'm judging, the reason I'm judging them is because they don't recognize the authority of God's Word, right? And we're going to get to that in just a minute, but, but part of the reason why people oftentimes have a problem judging is that you're misrepresenting the authority that the Bible is supposed to have in certain situations and circumstances. Until you begin to realize that there are parts of the Bible that are timeless and parts that are time-bound, you're not going to judge well. Parts of the Bible, the teaching that's in the Bible were intended for a certain culture, for a certain time, in a certain place. That's why we don't require any of the women who are in here to wear head coverings to participate in our service. You with me? I know. Come on. If you want to wear a hat, you may, but that's your choice, Right? But that's in the New Testament, right? We don't do that. And, and people, it's, there's a self-evidencing quality to the time-boundness of that text. Now, some verses don't have that self-evidencing quality. It's a little bit more complicated. It takes study. It takes research. It takes challenging each other. But one of the reasons why sometimes we have a problem with judging is that you're trying to put on someone a requirement that's in the Bible, but it's not a requirement for today. So you've got to understand the authority of God's Word, but you've got to understand the nature of the authority of God's Word, and that some of what's in here is not for today. The second part of that is that you've got to understand, which we teach on all the time, that there's three kinds of sin. There's, there's issues of morality, there's matters of conscience, and there's foregoing liberty. We've done whole sermons on this. Issues of morality are things that are timeless. These are things that are going to be wrong from the beginning of time until the end of time. You're tracking with me? Things like the Ten Commandments. We understand there's parts of the Bible they're never going to change. Those are issues of morality. They're things that are matters of conscience, meaning that it might be wrong to you to do it because you've got a conviction against it, but it's not necessarily something that you should be putting on everyone. Sometimes we get into trouble with judging because we're taking something that's a matter of conscience for us. We're making it an issue of morality for other people. Timeless, time-bound, morality, matters of conscience, foregoing liberty. And here's the third one. Here's the third one. What does the person that you're judging, what do they believe about the authority of Scripture? Because if, if they're not in a place in their own journey, in their own life, where they're willing to recognize the authority of Scripture, and you're trying to talk to them downstream about certain things in their life, I'm just telling you, you're, you're really wasting your time. You've got to back your conversation up to this place and begin to talk to them about who God is, the nature of God's Word. There needs to be a revelation of the authority of the Bible before then you can begin to take them in a place to talk to them how their life should line up with the Bible. 
So that's a question when I'm talking with people, maybe that are newer to the church, and maybe there's a, the obviousness to a, a lifestyle that they live that's in contradiction to something in Scripture that's a moral issue. I don't start with them on the moral issue. I start with them about who they are, where are they on their journey, what do they believe about God, what do they believe about God's Word. I'm willing to overlook the issue of morality for a time and a season so I can get to them to a place of embracing the love of God and the authority of His Word so when it comes time to talk with them, to bring them to a conversation of accountability for the life that they live, now that conversation is going to be productive. You tracking with me? So we get into trouble with judging because we're not understanding the idea of the authority of God's Word and how that plays into every situation and circumstance. All right, the second one, if you're going to judge well, if you're going to judge well, you've got to understand the authority of God's Word. And the next one is that you've got to take the time to know their story. You've got to take the time to know their story. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Adonijah had been born next after Absalom, and he was very handsome. Adonijah took Joab's son, Zeruiah, and Abiathar, the priest, into his confidence, and they agreed to help him become king, which means that they were going to try to overthrow his father's throne. It's interesting there, isn't it, that as God writes about this, is he laying some blame at Absalom's feet? He sure is, but he's also laying some feet at his father. He's laying some blame at the feet of his father. If he had disciplined his child, if he had done the things he was supposed to do as a father, then maybe Absalom wouldn't be in the situation or the circumstance that he's in. This is this idea of what is their story? People that so oftentimes we want to so quickly judge, oftentimes it's because we've not taken the time to say, how did they get here? How did they get here? Understanding how they got there is not permission. And, and, and if you're walking outside the authority of God's Word because your story is, is maybe a story that's hard and maybe a story that's difficult, maybe, maybe the, the story of Absalom, you can relate to that, that your parents have, 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 were absent in, in you growing up and now you know that many of the struggles that you have, you probably wouldn't have if your parents had been more intentional in raising you, that you can't use that as permission either. See, see permission is saying because people made mistakes with me in my past, it's now right for me to do what was wrong. That's permission. It's not ever permission. It's also not ever justification. See, justification is different from permission in the sense that justification says, because people made mistakes with me in my past, I know that it's wrong, but I get a pass. I'm allowed to do it even though I know it's wrong because I'm susceptible to this because of what other people did to me. Knowing your story, knowing other people's story, it's not ever permission, it's not ever justification, it's about understanding and empathy. Is that you need to, which we're going to get to later when we talk about self-examination, you need to understand your story so you don't fall in the trap of permission and justification. Sometimes you need an understanding and empathy for yourself. 
You need to be patient with yourself. It might be that you look around and you think, why do I struggle with this so bad? And, and my friend over here, it's not even an afterthought. Well, because that friend doesn't have your story. And so things that are struggles for you, things that are hard for you, things that might take you five years to deal with that took them five minutes is because you don't share the same history. So there's understanding and empathy that we need to have for people. And some of the people we need to have understanding and empathy for are for our own selves. And it goes back to the idea of self-care and self-love. We've got to be willing to take the time to understand their story so that we can understand why they're doing what they're doing, why they're saying what they're saying, why they're living the way that they're living, the authority of Scripture, what's their story. I, I like this next one. It's, it's this, who am I talking to? If you're the judger, you've got somebody that you're judging, somebody that you've, you've rendered a verdict about something that they're doing or saying, if you're going to judge well, you've got to be careful about how many people that you're talking to about this person and their circumstance and their situation. Listen to Psalm 101, verse 5. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. It's powerful words from a God who's known for grace and patience. He says, I've got limits, and this is one. Listen to what Proverbs 26, 20 says. Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. We're good at, at church, at doing stuff we're not supposed to do. Because we've learned how to say it in a way that makes it right. So maybe I, I pull cord aside at the end of the service and say, cord, I just, I, I need to share something you, with you about Jim. Just so you know how to pray, brother. Just so you know how to pray. Right? And I've done that with 35 other people. Anybody ever come up to you and said that? Can I just share something with you about, about Jenny and Bob? Just, brother, just so, you, just so you and your wife know how to pray for them. Right? It's terrible. It's terrible. We, we, we gossip and we learn how to spin it. We learn how to say it in a way that seems to make it okay. And, and are there times when we need to talk to people about judgments that we're forming? There are. And let me give you three. You can talk to people when you need help understanding their story. But you don't need to talk to 20 people to understand their story. You probably just need to talk to one person who you know is a friend and say, say I just, I've noticed something and I just, I, I, I just want to understand their story, you know? And they might say, I can't share those things with you, right? And then you know that, 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 that there's, there's an issue of privacy there. You, you, you do not become the detective of the City Life Church to figure out those details. You just shift into a gear called prayer and buckle up and hang out there and intercede for that person, right? But, but there are times where it's appropriate just to, to find a person just so you can learn, so you can understand their story because that's the one that we just talked about. You want to know their story. Sometimes you need to ask people to help you understand Scripture. Find a leader. Find somebody who you know is just farther along than you are in your journey. And, and you don't even need to tell them the person. You can just say, hey, I'm struggling with this judgment. I feel like I'm, I'm forming some opinions that are premature about somebody. And, 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 and what does the Bible have to say about, boom, right? And just let them teach you a little bit about God's Word. 
Sometimes you need to ask people some questions so that you can understand yourself. There should be some people in your life, we talk about it all the time here at City Life, people that you're close to, people that you trust, people that you've given them permission to say no to you, right? People that you can pull aside maybe in a moment where you're forming some judgments and some conclusions about a person or about a situation or about people and just privately say, hey, is, can, is, I just I want to share some things with you, but I want you to challenge me right? Am I being unfair here? Am I missing something here, right? Put yourself in the place of examination with somebody that you trust, right? You can see, right, if you're doing these steps, if you're doing these steps, you're going to have a tendency to judge poorly a lot less and to judge well a lot more. The authority of Scripture. What's their story? Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Let me, let me go back to what's their story a little bit. Part, part of the story, because I want to touch on it when we do self-examination, so I want to just mention it here so you can warm up to the idea. We believe in something called scripts here at City Life. It's a lot, every, every church believes in it. They just have different words for it. Scripts are things that are operating in your life that are dictating your behavior and your responses based on the, the marriage that you watched growing up in your home or maybe a marriage that wasn't there that you didn't get to watch, the family that you grew up in, uh, experiences that you had with people who were leaders in your life like teachers and coaches, how they treated you, how they acted towards you, those formulate what are called scripts in your life, that patterns of response. So when we do premarital counseling, we talk a lot about these ideas of scripts because Patterns repeat themselves in marriages, even subconsciously, because of what they observed in their homes. That makes sense? So this is part of understanding, understanding stories. The, this next one is a little bit different from that. But this, this fourth one is, you've got to ask yourself the question, what are some biases and filters that this person that I'm judging has? Now, where do I get this, right? We're connecting all this stuff to God's Word because we don't want you to think that I'm just making it up because it sounds like a good idea. 1 Timothy 5.21. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels, right? That's really to add weight to what you're getting ready to say. You should use that with your children. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels, right, to obey these instructions. We should just add that to our parenting class right there. Just, let's make a note of that. Somebody write that down. And listen to what he says. Without taking sides... Or showing favoritism to anyone. This is Paul writing to Timothy, right? Everything we know about Timothy is that he's a stellar person. He's somebody that God has, that has picked through Paul, that he's made a revelation to Paul to identify this young man to carry on the work of evangelism to, to, to give birth to the church, which we know worked out pretty well because we're here today. And even with Tim, he's, Timothy, he's saying, be careful, Timothy. You've got biases. You've got filters. You're vulnerable to favoritism because you're a human being just like the rest of us. Part of this idea of judging is that you've got to be willing to ask yourself the question, this person that I'm judging, what are some biases and filters maybe that they have that are causing them to say these things or do certain things? You've got to consider their past and present influencers. Who are the people that were teaching them and leading them, right? Sometimes people come into the church and maybe they're in your life group and you're thinking to yourself, good gracious, where, where, how, where did they learn all of these things that they're saying about the Bible and Christianity that we know are completely upside down? It's probably because they, maybe they spent 10 years in a church that was unhealthy and under a manipulated past, manipulating pastor who used God's Word to control people, right? We can have influencers in our past that 
create biases and filters that now we see the world through. And oftentimes when we're judging people, it's because we're not taking into consideration the biases and the filters that they're suffering from. You've got to consider their level of expertise. You might see a young mom in a store that's berating their child verbally, and and you're thinking to yourself, what is wrong with her? Well, it might be because if you had been in the family that she grew up in, that this is really a good day for her. It might be because somebody taught her this is how you treat your children, and so she's doing the best that she knows how. Doesn't make it right. It's not permission. It's not justification. But before we form an opinion of someone and are ready to write them off, we should be asking the question. Maybe they just don't know. Consider their personality and their spiritual gifts. This is a huge one in the church. For some of you, you're saying, why can't they just slow down? Some people, you're saying, why can't they just speed up? Why can't they, can, can they just, can they stop for a minute of, 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 of hugging people so we can just make a decision here, right? We just, we need to get the meeting started. Could Barbara just be quiet? You, you with me? You think about all these scenarios, all these scenarios where people are really, they're just moving in their spiritual gift. They're doing what God created them to do, and we want them to be just like us. I'm just, that would be the worst thing that could ever happen. Right? We need one another, right? That's another sermon for another time. We've done that message here many times, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the diversity of the body of Christ, how we need each other. One of the reasons why we judge people and we judge them poorly is because we want their gift to be like our gift, and what you forget is that you actually need their gifts so that you can be healthy in your life as a follower of Christ. The authority of Scripture, what's their story? Who am I talking to? What are their biases and their filters? If you're not committed to working through those four things, then you're going to judge poorly. All right, let's talk about self-examination. Self-examination. This is where Jesus goes into the teaching about the plank in one eye and a speck in another, but it's also a log sometimes, so I brought a prop. This wasn't just for hecklers tonight, although it could be if needed, right? This is... This is a project from this week. If you're following Vanessa and I on social media, we've, we've been shaming each other a little bit because that's what healthy marriages do on Facebook. And so I had some projects that I was supposed to get done at home, and, uh, and, and one of them was to hang some curtain rods and things like that in Claire's room. And so all the supplies were there, and Vanessa had taken the measurements and bought everything. And so I'm the, I'm the labor when it comes to things like that, and it's also because I'm also the type A personality person, so it has to be level and even and things like that. And so, 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 so anyway, so I did everything, and I go to put the, the, the curtain rod up there to hang the draperies in, in, in Claire's room, and it's, and it, you know, if you saw the picture, it's like this far short from the, from the last uh, thing that it's supposed to hang on. You can see I'm very familiar with all the technical terms. And so, and so I send Vanessa a text with a picture, and I said, who did the measuring here? As if I didn't know, right? And she's like, I don't know how that happened. I, I measured the window, right? I measured the window. It was six feet. I said, yeah, sure you measured the window, but your instructions were how far you wanted it to hang outside of each window, right? And so if you're not adding that in, and so, and, and, and so we had some fun bantering back and forth, and she said, you better not post it, but I was already halfway through that, and she knew that was coming. And so, so earlier, earlier that week, our air conditioner went down, and she texted me, and she's, you know, it's 90 degrees in the house. Have you heard from anybody yet? And so I said, my text back to her as a loving husband, I said, let me know when it gets to 110. I'll come home and inflate the air mattress, 
I'll boil some milk and heat up some potatoes and we can pretend like we're in Haiti, right? And she said, well, the air mattress will be inflated, but it's going to be in the driveway because that's where you're going to be sleeping tonight, right? A little bit later. <laughs> so, so she didn't actually say that, but I know that's what she was thinking. So, so, so I brought this, I brought this because can you imagine, this is, this is what you love about Jesus. He's creating some things for us so that you can really see it. What if you came into church and I had this on my face? I'm walking around greeting visitors. How are you doing? I'm Pastor Fred, right? This is what he's saying. He's, and can you imagine if you came to a counseling session with me as a married couple because you have a struggle in your life and you get to my office and I have this taped to my face, right? Are you with me? This is what Jesus is saying. It's ludicrous, it's comical, it's over the top, it's satirical, and Jesus says this is how we walk around all the time. This is what we do. Our lives can be so stinking out of order, and yet we are walking around trying to fix the world when we're the ones who are jacked up. And he's saying, hey, get yourself together. Because if you don't deal with this, then you're not ever going to be able to deal with that that's a problem in their life. So much of what Jesus is trying to say to the church and he's trying to say to us is that we have got to learn how to protect the voice of influence that we are supposed to have in the world. And if we are not doing this journey of self-examination, we undermine the influence that we're supposed to have. We, the, the, our voice is minimalized and marginalized. It's what happens to dads in homes. Can we, let's just talk about that for a minute. One of the reasons why dads suffer from passivity and leading in their homes is because they know they got planks all over the place and so they don't challenge their family. We got a men's retreat coming up if that's your problem in the fall. Come on, we're going to be hitting that hard. So self-examination is turning all the steps of judgment onto yourself. Same four. When you're in a place of judging, you should say to yourself, self, what are the areas of my life that are outside the authority of God's word? That's a little bit painful, isn't it? But that's where you got to start. Have I done the hard work of understanding my own story? Do I know the scripts that are working in my life? What areas of my life are outside of the authority of Scripture? Have I done the hard work of understanding my own story? Who am I talking to for personal accountability? Who am I going to and saying, what do you see in my life that needs to change? What do you see in my attitude that needs to get better? What are some things that maybe you've observed in my parenting or in my, in my marriage and if you would say to me tonight, I don't know if I have any friends that I can do that with, well, let me tell you about something we call life groups here at the City Life Church. You're not going to get them after one night, but if you commit yourself to what we call the 12 pathways, gathering and relationship are two of those that create an environment in your life where relationships begin to form, then you'll begin to have some of these people that you can begin to ask these questions to. The last one is this. It's the same again as judging, self-examination. It's the same. What are the biases and the filters at work in my life? Now, I'm not going to recover all of those, but I will point out this one. You should be asking yourself, what's my area of expertise in this? Can you imagine me showing up at Jim Bell's office in the shipyard where he's been working on designing ships and building ships for many decades, and I were to just pop in there one day and, and, uh, and say, Jim, I, that doesn't look right to me. 
People would say, Fred, you don't look right to me, right? I feel like this. Jim, that design looks all wrong. Just, it looks all wrong, right? But that's what we do. That's what we do, right? We, we, we act like we're experts on things we have no business making decisions about because we're, we just don't know. We've got to ask ourselves the question, what's my area of expertise in this situation and circumstance that I'm judging this person on? Are right, you going to get me excited. All right, self-examination. We're doing good. We've got two more I'm going to cover. Oh, I like these next five that are parts of helping. You see how this is flowing through the text in Matthew 7, right? He talks about reciprocity. He talks about make sure that you're judging well. See, part of, part of letting the Bible teach us is taking a text and then, and then understanding how this text is connected to so many other texts in the Bible. That's part of so much of what we do here at City Life. It's a, it's a teaching pulpit. You know, we have weekends like we did last weekend, amazing times at the altar. How, was that just not phenomenal? What happened with our church last weekend, these spontaneous prophetic moments, and we love those too, but we love nights like this. We need all of those things in our lives. Are you tracking with me? You might leave and say, I wish it was like that all the time, but then you wouldn't be healthy, right? We need all of these things. We need the, in fact, I would tell you, you need the truth of God's Word if you're going to be able to walk out the liberty that God gave to you supernaturally last weekend. So, 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 so here we get to, to, to the Matthew chapter 7, and we see that, that Jesus is walking us through. He, he mentions reciprocity, and then that sends us on a journey throughout God's Word, right? Then he talks about learning how to judge. That sends us on a journey in God's Word. Then he talks to us about self-examination. That takes us on a journey throughout God's Word. Now he talks about helping, As you're reading Matthew 7, what you begin to realize is that Jesus is saying, don't forget the reason why I've given you the ability to judge is just so that you can help people. Not so that you can be right. Not so that you can win an argument. Not not so that you can control the situation. It's so that you can give up your life for other people. So if you want to know if you're helping, I'm going to give you Five questions to ask yourself if you're helping when you're judging. Are you moving in the spirit of a peacemaker? Matthew 5, verse 9, the Beatitudes, peacemakers right there. It's one of the five great growth lists of the Bible. When when you're in a situation where you're rendering a verdict about somebody, you've got to ask yourself the question, is my motivation really to help them? And so that you can know whether or not your motivation is really to help them, As you can say, am I moving in the spirit of a peacemaker? The second one is this. Is this in their best interest? Is what you're about to say to them, is what you're going to do in response to them, is this in their best interest? Not your best interest. Is it in their best interest? Ephesians 4, 29 talks about not letting any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for the benefit and the building up of other people. I'm moving in the spirit of a peacemaker. Is this in their best interest? Are you ready for the third one? Do you see their value to God and do you see their value to you? Because if you can't see their value to God and you can't see their value to you, then you should just stop right there and not go any farther. Philippians 4, I mean Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4. Philippians, Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 talks about this whole idea of seeing other people as, 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 as more important than ourselves. It's called the great kenosis chapter in the, in the Greek. It's, it means to empty yourself out because it talks about Jesus emptying himself out for the world. That's the example that he's given to us. We've got to be willing to empty ourselves out as we serve other people. 
Do you see their value to God and do you see their value to you? Number four, do I have the permission of the Holy Spirit? Just because you're right doesn't mean you should open your mouth. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 talks about a life that is lived following the leading of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. We're doing our, our summer series. It's going to be good. We're doing a whole summer series on the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Do I have the permission of the Holy Spirit? And the last one is this. How strong is my relationship with them? See, because we have a principle that we teach here at City Life. You should not be having conversations with people that surpass the relationship that you have with that person. The, the, the strenuous, strenuousness of the conversation should be commensurate to the, the, the strength of the relationship. And so oftentimes if we see somebody in the, in the church that's in trouble, maybe with some decisions and choices that they're making, one of the things that I do, I ask the question, who do I know that knows them that can reach out to them? Because relationship matters. In fact, that's why so many times when Jesus is talking about, even here in Matthew 7, he uses this word brother. It's, it's not because he's, right, from some denomination that uses that word all the time, right? And because he just doesn't know their names, right? But that's what we do oftentimes in the church. We just call them brother and sister because we can't remember their names. That's not Jesus' problem. He knows their name. He's perfect. There will be no name tags at Jesus' church. He knows who you are. He's using these words because they're instructive. He's talking about people that you have a relationship with. Because what he's saying is if you don't have a relationship with them, leave it alone. Because your goal is to help, and you can't help people that you're out of relationship with. That's why the whole teaching text, I was talking to somebody just recently in, in, in Matthew chapter 18 and the dealing with offenses, and, 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 and it uses the word brother. The context is clear. If it's not a relationship that you're working to maintain, then those, those steps, they're unproductive. They don't work because you're outside of the context of the truth that God is giving to us. How strong is my relationship? So are you moving in the spirit of a peacemaker? Is this in their best interest? Do you see their value to God and to you? Do I have the permission of the Holy Spirit? We're going to get these notes online this week. And how strong is my relationship with them? Those are the five questions you should be asking yourself to know whether or not you're being a helper. All right, let's jump down to timing. Matthew 7, verse 6, this is where Jesus talks about this idea of pearls before pigs. Je Jesus is not being mean to people. He's not calling them names. What, what he's saying is, is that if, if, if you don't recognize that the wisdom that you want to share with them, if you don't understand that if you don't do it in the right time and in the, in the right place with all the right motivation and the right heart, right? That's what we've all covered. Right motivation, right heart, right reasons. Now you're getting to what's the timing of it. When is it supposed to happen? If, if you don't follow the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to discern the timing of when you're supposed to say it and when you're supposed to have the conversation, the wisdom will be wasted. See, Jesus isn't calling people who don't believe in the Bible a hogs or pigs, or right? That's not who Jesus is. We know that's not the case because of everything else we know about Jesus in the Bible. He's using this picture that's a, a little bit harsh and a, maybe a little bit vulgar because he's trying to say, do not waste your voice by doing it at the wrong time. Just because you've got something to share doesn't mean that it has to happen in the next 30 seconds. You've got to ask yourself the question, when is going to be the best time for them? 
What's the, what's the, when is God's making their heart ready to receive what's going to be shared? He's, he's saying here, hey, be careful about when you show up in their life. Jesus came to the world in what's called the fullness of time. Jesus came into this world at just the right moment. And that's not just a lesson in Bible history for us. It's a lesson in practice for us. Because he says to you and I, in the same way I came in the fullness of time for all the world, make sure that you go in the fullness of time to people that I'm asking you to judge. Make sure that you show up in the right moment, in the right time, in the right way, with the right heart, for the right reasons, so that when wisdom is shared, it can be what it's supposed to be, and that's to give life to the person who needs to receive it. Go ahead and invite the worship team to come back up. Galatians 6, 1 through 3, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I love this verse. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself because you're really just not that important. Uh, this, it's actually in there. I didn't make that up. Right? Don't you love that? He humbles us when we need to be humbled, and all of us do. So let me read some names to you. Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, Michael Brown, Darren Wilson, Ferguson Police Department, Eric Garner, Daniel Pantaleo, NYPD, Freddie Gray, the Baltimore Police Department, I'm not saying that you shouldn't judge people in situations. I'm not saying that you shouldn't form opinions about these people and about these places and about these circumstances. It's just the opposite. As Christians, we must reach some conclusion because we are called by God to help. What I am saying, what I am saying, is that if you haven't done everything that we've talked about tonight, then be quiet and get busy. Stand with me. Father, forgive us for the times that we've used your word as permission to be idiots. Forgive us, God, for the times in our lives where we've used your word as permission to beat somebody over the head with a book that was supposed to become the foundation of their very existence. Let it be, Father, that, that at, least, at least here at the City Life Church, that we would judge and that we would judge well. Because we would walk in the wisdom of your word. We would walk in the restraint of your word. We would live with a heart that's always thinking of others as more highly than ourselves. That we would lead a life that is led by the power and the prompting of the Holy Spirit that if you would ever call us to step into a person's life and into a circumstance and a situation that may we be like our Savior, that we would only go in the fullness of time. Let's worship together. Victory.
victory conquer death set me free victory victory jesus alive in me victory victory conquer death set me free victory 